Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. Past the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-host. She is cooler than BB-8 and R2 having a conversation that Luke can't understand. It's Lindsay. Oh, oh, oh. wait, did you say can or cannot? Cannot. No, they're totally talking smack about it. Wow. Guys, excuse, excuse me. Hey, 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 over here. Can you... Actually, you know what, though? Now that you say it, we don't have any proof that Luke would be able to understand BB-8, do we? Not BB-8, but he does understand R2 in The Last Jedi. So it's, I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, since since the the rolly ones are the new Astromex, I'm really, like, showing my uh, my Star Wars fandom right here by calling the them the rolly ones. ones. <laughs> <laughs> the rolly ones. Nothing uh, but the best. Clashing I, I, Yeah, it's top notch. I think it's binary. I don't know. Maybe we should ask our other guests that we have on today. It is our good friend, supporter of the pod, and new podcast host coming soon, Michelle Whitlich. Hi. I'm so excited. So, to be here. so excited to have you. <laughs> you are like OG Clashing Sabers. Like, I don't know if you started episode one, but it was pretty darn early when we got our, um, what was it, seven-page email from you um, on our <laughs> Kylo Ren ten, episode. It was ten. It was more like ten. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Depends how big the font was. <laughs> <laughs> she made it really small font so that I only had to yeah. scroll for like an hour. <laughs> Wide margins, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to be going old school, going back to uh, something we talked about a long time ago and talking about some Kylo Ren and we had to have Michelle on the episode. So, Michelle, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited. It's so weird. This first time I've actually spoken words to either of you. I know. I know. Because it feels like we've been friends forever and for, yes. like for so long and just getting the chance to always connect online and everything. So this is really exciting for both of us. We're living in the future, you guys. It's so sci-fi. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and we've never actually spoken words. We've never actually spoken words to each other, even though you and I text like literally every day about one thing or another. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like... It blows people's minds when I tell them that, like, everybody, like, my whole wedding party, I've never actually met in person. Like That blew my mind when I heard you say that the first time. And, and it, <laughs> but the weird thing what? was, I didn't think about it until, like, after, like, I actually said it out loud. And I was like, huh, that is kind of weird. But I guess we're living in 2019. That's just how things work now. Guess so. Yeah, this is life now. And I'm okay with it. I am okay with it. Um... Guys, it feels good to be back. I feel like we haven't done this in a while, even though we have done this recently. But it's just it's been a long week and I'm really happy to be recording and talking about Kylo Ren. But we do have to ask the most important question in the Star Wars fandom. And Michelle, I'm going to send this to you first. What are you Star Warsing? 
Well, I mean, you know, I could go on for 10 years about all the Star Wars in because it's a lifestyle, as you well know. But um, I'm going to start a podcast, apparently. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. My son, who I say my son and people think, oh, 10 year old. No, he's 19. He's like a full fledged person, adult now, and he's at college. And so I've been thinking about doing this for a while anyway like years to be honest and so i thought well this is a really good way to manipulate him into (laughs) forcing him to spend the time with me to talk about star wars because he's very very busy all the time and i don't get as many phone calls as i would probably like to so this way i'm gonna be like ah time's wasting we gotta record let's go (laughs) that's actually brilliant Thank I'm you. sure my mother is now, one, kicking herself for not thinking of that, two, <laughs> for not being a big enough Star Wars fan that I actually want to talk to her about it. It's never so double late. on your end. Never too late, Lindsay's <laughs> mom. It's really not. That's so I'm, I'm kind of busy awesome. setting that stuff up, but also reading Resistance Reborn, which Ooh. is lovely. I love it so far. I'm only like maybe 50 pages in-ish, but so far, it's great. You guys are reading. Yeah, those. I mean, yeah. most books. I feel like when you say you're 50 pages in, it's like still a lot of setup. But that is, you're 50 pages in, and you are in the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that book. It's really, uh, it's I when they first didn't. I think it was at was it at Comic Con when they said this is the one book you're gonna want to read. It had not even been on my radar yet at all. So I was like, oh, I thought the Kylo Ren comic was the thing I was really gonna want to read what's this book about and then you know the the little snippets started to drop and that um the scene with leia and ray you know that they put starwars.com oh yeah and you know i'm only sitting it's like a tiny little blurb and i'm sitting there sobbing i'm like okay i guess i'm reading this book for sure (laughs) (laughs) obviously this one exactly so that and then uh trying to get caught up on my fan fiction too which is can be daunting because I'm several chapters behind. <laughs> but I'll get Yeah, there. you meant you mentioned there was one specific one that you were uh, really into now? Oh God. It is it is not for children, if you know okay. that. <laughs> but honestly, it's called and uh, you know, every Raylo in the world knows about this fanfic, I feel like, but it's called uh Landscape with a Blur of Conquerors. Which the title is, uh, I, I love the title. I think it's from a poem. She took it from a poem. I don't know. But it's it's fantastic. If you ever feel like reading some super dramatic Raylo fanfic. And you are wow. over the age of 18. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even over the age of 21. Maybe even the, over the age of 30. <laughs> it's just so cool to me that there's so many talented people in the Star Wars fandom that we can sit here in the middle of all this exciting stuff going on between all the new book releases, TV shows, all the Rise of Skywalker stuff coming out. And we still want to highlight, like, these are what the fans are creating. These are what people are writing, people are drawing, stuff like that. So it's it's to me, it's so cool that... Even with any negativity going on, there's still so much positivity and so much talent in our community that we're sitting here talking, you know, even though all this other stuff is going on, I want to prioritize this fanfic. It's, it's, she's, I I can never get her handle name correct. I think it's diasterisms. Uh, I can send it to you, but her real name is Thea 
and she is so talented. I, I read a chapter. I'm just like, girl, how do you not have a book contract somewhere already? Because it's just, it's that good. It really is great. Give it time. Maybe she'll be the next E.K. Johnston. I know. I was Honestly. just thinking the same thing. Uh, like E.K. Johnston, Claudia Gray. Like there's quite a few like just Star Wars authors that have gone from writing fanfic to and using that. Not necessarily like the fanfic itself got them a book contract, but using that to, to hone their craft and, and then, you know, get into these these properties that we, we know and love. And I think the thing that is exciting for me, you know, talking about all these creatives and stuff like that is like, yes, there's like a loud minority of people who want to yell and complain about things. And I mean, you guys know we all put stuff out there and people react negatively to it. But even, you know, we, we even though that's happening, we all support each other so much. Like, I know, Michelle, when you texted me about starting the podcast, I was like so super excited that you were finally doing it. And like I had people who did the same for us when we were starting Clashing Sabers. Like it's not like, oh, no, there's another Star Wars podcast. Now we're at a thousand and one. Like that's more competition. It's literally like, yo, let's get you on the show and like talk about what you're doing and, and things like that. Um, it's it's just exciting. And like regardless of all that negativity that's going on there like i love that we have a space like here at clashing sabers and uh you know in our in our community that we can share these different ideas and actually have constructive conversations it's a crazy thing that happens you know i'm teaching my 10 year olds to do it so if you need some help with that also i can help you there but uh kidding yes please (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so Lindsay, what about you what have you been into lately Oh, I don't know, B. There's really nothing new. There's, I feel like Star Wars is just getting a little stale, you know? Yeah, They're no not new content. Yeah. yeah, so I've had to, to dig real deep uh, <laughs> no, on top of everything else going on. Um, Brendan, I think I actually sent this to you guys a couple weeks ago, but I found on Spotify... And the official Star Wars channel, they actually have playlists that are like, quote unquote, inspired by all the characters. You've seen this, right, Michelle? Yes, yes, They're yes. so good. So there's like a Boba Fett playlist and it's like anti-flag and no effects and like all that fun punk music from when I was younger. And then there's Ray, which is, you know, like the more upbeat, uh, like girls run the world type thing. The Finn one is so good, but he, there's all these different characters. Like BB-8 has a, a full party play mix, and I've just kind of been digging into that because even though it's not always my type of music, it's so much fun to see. Like, oh, this is how Star Wars sees this character. This is how Disney thinks of this character. So I've actually really been enjoying those little playlists and using that as kind of my my uh tether to the real world <laughs> while i'm diving into all the mandalorian and resistance reborn and stuff like that i feel like ray is one of those people that actually listens to heavy metal but like nobody would expect it you know what i mean <laughs> yes just scavenging away with yeah like <laughs> some screamo in the background yeah i could totally see that that's what the the whole like headdress thing that she was wearing. It wasn't to protect her from the sun. It was so that she could get the you know the good headphones to stay on her head. And... <laughs> <laughs> that would this be fun. stuff came up. I th- I want to 
I forget which face group, Facebook group it was, but I actually said, I think she listens to show tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I see her as a show tune gal. Oh my God. You know what? I, so confession time, mm-hmm. since we're among friends here. It's I not do being that posted myself. on the internet or anything. Yeah. No one's, no one's going to hear this. I do the same thing. I listen to show tunes when I run. Because it keeps me from getting bored because it has a story to it. Hamilton? But then it's not like listening. Hamilton's great yes! running music. It's, it's great the running, music. running music. I yeah. like that thought that I like that me and Ray would both go for a jog while just <laughs> jamming out to Hamilton. She's definitely into my shot. That's for sure. Mm. Big time. Now we're talking. Yep. Little Aaron Burr action there. Oh, no, that was Hamilton singing that. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love this. All right, it's canon. It's official. It's canon. <laughs> Confirmed. Confirmed. You Ray listens to Hamilton. <laughs> what about you, though, Brandon? What have you been Star Warsing lately? Uh, I've kind of been Star Wars adjacent lately. Um, I actually found the audiobook to The Power of Myth, the uh, Bill Moyer, Joseph Campbell interview. So I've been listening to those mm-hmm. on my drive, uh, mostly from home from work, and one, just, I mean, Bill Moore's voice is very relaxing after a stressful day around 50, 10-year-olds. But uh, it's been it's been interesting to see and, and look at the kind of things that are, um, you know, some tethers to Star Wars, things that are um, just these this kind of universal language that is in, in our subconscious as humans um, and how we, we understand things in these these different tropes that uh, kind of move us along. And I, I like how he really emphasizes the the idea that, you know, these stories are meant to help us through our struggles and our good times and understand how to live our life. Because, you know, we talk about Star Wars being this mythology. And, I mean, for me, and I know for you guys also, it really has, like, shaped how you live your life, um, you know. And, and so to kind of have that validated by an intellectual like Joseph Campbell is something that's been really cool to listen to, but then also just his philosophy on life and and the things that connect us is really fascinating. I want to check that out. Definitely send those to me. Yeah. You can probably get it through. uh, I know the actual uh, documentary is on Netflix, so you can get it on there if you want to actually watch it. Um, But I, Honestly, I tried that, and and it's just really boring to just sit there and watch um, because it's just a lot of talking, and so it's it's nicer for me in audio form. And I have I have the actual print book, but um, I found it at the library um, on, on an app that you can can download it. So it's been it's been fun, and then um, Resistance Reborn has been been pretty cool. Uh, we'll of course get to that. We. Or uh, I got to talk with the, uh, Rebecca Rowanhorse uh, last week, so that was, that was a lot of fun. I think last week. It might have been this week, honestly, with how long this week has been going. But, uh, yeah, I mean, guys, we are in the countdown. We've got less than a week till The Mandalorian. We have six weeks until Rise of Skywalker. And, I mean, I guess Star Wars ends there because there's nothing else coming up after that. So we'll, we'll just see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Nothing. But until then, to tide us over, it is time to go to Happy Beeps. Happy Beeps, everybody. Come on. 
I'm with the droid on this one. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy beats here, buddy. Come on. Happy beats. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy beats here, buddy. Come on. Happy beats. I'm with the droid Happy on this one, buddy. Come on. Okay. So we have our happy beep section, and for those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is um, from our friends over at happybeeps.net. They send us a very special chart of the day uh, talking about the topic that we are talking about. So today we are talking about Kylo Ren, and so we're going to play a little game with these charts. The charts will be linked in the show notes if you want to play along at home and laugh at Lindsay and Michelle as they get the wrong answers. Uh, please pull over. Uh, or, don't Or cheat. <laughs> What? <laughs> I think that I think that's just called cheating. Listen, guys, if Michelle and I are about to sit here and get a bunch of answers wrong, actually Michelle's probably going to be amazing at this. I if don't even I'm going to sit here and get a bunch of answers wrong, you guys have to also. Yeah, that's fair. So don't look at don't look at your phone <laughs> especially when you're driving. All right, people, put the phone down. Uh all right, so let's start we're going to start – we have two charts today. We have Kylo Ren by movie and Kylo Ren by toy type. So we, of course, have three movies with Kylo Ren. This is including what has been released for Rise of Skywalker. And I want you to put them in order from least to greatest, which has the most Kylo Ren toys and which has the least Kylo Ren toys. So we're talking seven, eight, nine. Lindsay, since you're the veteran here, I'm going to let you go first on this one. <laughs> ah, I saw that. <laughs> okay. I think, uh, you know what? I'm going to put an early prediction out there. Let's go back to this a year from now and see if I'm right. I think in the long run, Rise of Skywalker is going to have the most. But for right now... I would say it goes Last Jedi, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker. All right, Michelle, what's your pick? Ooh, I'm trying to think of all the stuff I have. <laughs> <laughs> when did I buy this Kylo Ren thing? When did I buy the most Kylo Runs? I would say she's like, hold on, let me go, let me just go count all my collectibles real quick. <laughs> she literally, I have seven hundred. I have more Kylo Ren's in my house than I probably have images of my own two children put together. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just going to go 789 because I feel like when he first came onto the scene, people went nuts. And then 8, it was a lot of unmasked stuff, which maybe little kids might not be so into I don't know. I'm I'm overthinking it. Seven, eight, nine. Oh, uh, so Lindsay, you know what's embarrassing? What? Just say it. You're a veteran, and you got it wrong. <laughs> Michelle got it right. <laughs> oh man! man. Uh, who saw that one coming? I didn't. <laughs> All right. So- Why am I so bad at this? <laughs> sorry, Lindsay. I owe you a coffee. You're not sorry. You're not sorry at all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so there were 33 uh, Kylo Ren toys that came out uh, for The Force Awakens, 23 for The Last Jedi, and so far, 10 for The Rise of Skywalker. I will say, Lindsay, to your point about there, in the end, it's probably going to be the most Kylo Ren stuff. I would tend to agree with you as long as we combine Kylo Ren and Ben Solo and count them all in one category, because I've heard uh, that 
Lucasfilm has actually held off a lot of the toys till after the release of the movie because they will contain major spoilers. So just something to keep in mind as we go on there. Going to our second chart, we have uh, toys by type and... We have action figures, bobbleheads, cars, figurines, uh, Lego, and plush. So we all know action figures are always the number one category. Which Kylo Ren style of toys has the least amount of production? So again, action figures, bobbleheads, cars, figurines, Legos, or plush. Michelle, you won last time, so you get to go first this time. Cars? I'm confused what a like Kylo Ren car Hot would Wheel be. cars. Oh, Hot Wheels. Okay. And what's the difference between figurines and action figures? Figurines Ooh, would be like question. the uh, like the pewter ones that sit on the little stands. Like you can't play with them. They're just for display. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Can you say the choices again? Sorry, I'm old. I'm old. I have no retentions. Action please. figures. Those are the number one, so you can just get rid of that one. Uh, okay. Bobbleheads, cars, figurines, Lego, or plush. Okay. She's taking I this think... very seriously. I'm very competitive, y'all. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I th- Seeing as how many Lego sets my son has with Kylo Ren in them, I might have to say Lego is the least? Oh, is the least. Oh my god. Okay. No. I would have to say plush is the least. Okay. All right, Lindsay. You're up. I'd like to make two points here. My first point being that I agree with Michelle, I think it's plush. My second point, Brandon, this is for you. If I were have to said the say the incorrect answer and you knew that I was misunderstanding you would never have given me that second chance <laughs> you would have been like all right that answer is locked in well I'll I mean the, you get to play the I'll game the every week one. you know how this goes and I never win <laughs> that's that's a personal decision you just I just I just want to make that quick observation but I think it is plush as well ladies and gentlemen we have vindication that I have been talking about for ages about the plush because they are not <gasps> the least no. amount. They are then not. Then why don't they have a bunch of Kylo plushes then? Where are they? I need them. There oh. are six of them out there. You need to get all six of them. Get um, on Amazon as soon as we're done recording. Beeps. Tell me where to get these because I need them immediately right now. The least would be figurines. Uh, there were only two Kylo Ren figurines that came out. I feel like that makes sense if we had to clarify what they were. Oh, man. I really thought we had that one. Okay, <sighs> so here's here's the real challenge. All right. Oh, the, the first two were. <laughs> <laughs> no, because now we're gonna, I'm going to make you do space math. Um, action figures and Legos. So Bobbleheads is actually the number two at 13, but action figures. Action figures and Lego, since those are what the majority of people buy. What do you think the difference is? I'll, I'll give you a hint. It is in double digits. What's the difference between how many action figures that came out and how many Lego figures came out? Lindsay, I'll let you go, and I'll even give you a mulligan if you mess it up. Oh, what a guy. Don't tell her I want guys. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> All right. So double digits. I... 
think it's still actually pretty low. So I'll say 11. Okay, Michelle. This is over all three movies. Yes, this is everything that's come out unto this point. Action Hmm. figures is the most. Lego is in number three, but you need to decide the difference. Uh, Oh. I'm going to go, gosh, I'm going to say maybe like 13. Wow. Both of you got it wrong. Now we're in real Real clashing sabers form, <laughs> ladies 12. and gentlemen. <laughs> it's twelve. No, it's, tw- it's really no. Ancient. I wish. Oh my god. Uh, no, it's twenty-two, which is actually kind of surprising. Wow. Right. What? So there are so action figures has thirty-one, bobbleheads has thir- thirteen, and Lego only has nine. So wow. I find that really interesting because you would think there would be a lot be a lot of Kylo Ren. Legos out there, but I guess maybe not. So or maybe I'm they're just all the same model too. The, all the yeah, same. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how many variations you could do. True on him. Yeah, right? that was like, that was dumb on my part to not think of that. I mean, I don't know. it still seems drastic to me. It it, it, do, it does. That's why I wanted to point it out because like the the action figures 31 action figures make sense because you can have him you know you can have like the the cloth cape you know cape or whatever you know you can do all kinds of variations of it but lego being near the bottom is not something that we've seen a lot over these charts so i find that pretty fascinating so make sure you go over uh happy Weeps has a whole new setup of uh functionality that you definitely want to go uh log in and check out uh, the charts that they have, and keep track of your collections. Um, even somebody with as many collectibles as Lindsay can keep track of it all on Happy Veeps. So, guys, we've been talking for a while. We've mentioned it a lot, but it's time to talk about yourself Kylo Ren. The map to Skywalker. We know you found it. And now you're going to give it to the First Order. The First Order rose from the dark side. You did not. I'll show you the dark side. You may try. But you cannot deny the truth. That is your family. You're so right. So we're back. We're talking Kylo Ren, and I first want to just start out talking about when when we first saw this character. What is it? What what was our initial reaction to it? And Michelle, you're you're the Kylo stan of all Kylo stands on this episode. So when you like 
before the movie, before anything came out, when you saw Kylo Ren, what were your initial reactions to him? Um, initially, just, well, that's obviously going to be my favorite new character. Just <laughs> there, It was an instantaneous reaction of, yep, love it. What, exactly. What do you think it was that that did it? Um, hmm, probably, I'm very, I'm a super visual person, so the mask, the costume, the blackness, just the darkness, I'm a Sith gal, and I know he's not Sith, but it's the blackness, you know, just, oh, the it's mystery. It's striking, yeah. The light, oh, the lightsaber, had the mask uh-huh. not done it for me. The yeah. lightsaber was, what is that? What is happening? Why is it all unstable? You know, it just... Yeah. That, and then when we found out... That's definitely a big one, yeah. When we found out who was playing him, I had seen Adam Driver on Girls and thought he was awesome on that. So it was puzzling a little bit to me that they cast him as that role. But then, when you know, obviously when we saw him, I was like, well, uh, yeah, it's perfect. But initially, it was the costume and the lightsaber. I like it. Lindsay, what about you? What was yours? Well, definitely, I mean, number one, got to mention Adam Driver now that you brought it up. Because just like you, the only thing I really knew him from was girls. So I was shocked that they would pick someone like him for the role. Just because, to me, it really was just he was, you know, the the guy from that HBO show. Um but he just absolutely crushes the role, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. But in terms of my initial reactions, it was actually a little more, I guess, trepidation would be the word for it. And that's really just coming from the trailers. Because you see him, and he has this mask. He has this black cape. And my original thought, which... I'm sure a lot of other people had as well was how are they going to differentiate him from Darth Vader? How are they going to make sure this wasn't just a carbon copy of Darth Vader? Now, obviously here we are all these years later and I feel like an idiot that that ever was my first reaction, but it was, you know, we didn't really know anything about the character. We didn't know anything about his history or who he was So that was my very first trailer kind of specific reaction and marketing material reaction. And then going into the movie, it's funny because my other first interaction with him, I guess, in the movie, he wasn't the one that really stood out to me. The scene where we first meet him in Force Awakens, that to me was Poe stealing the scene, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Oscar Isaac's kind of really quick wit and good portrayal there was definitely the highlight of Kylo Ren's introduction to me. Um, but then just seeing how totally brutal he was, how totally merciless he was, I figured, all right, we're on to something new. But for me, the moment that I knew this was a great character and this was someone that we've never seen before. And this whole trilogy was going to take us to a very new place was when he took the helmet off for the first time, you know, his, his hair is perfect and it's distracting. (laughs) 
As Michelle holds up the heart, 100% agree. Um, But overall, it was just to me, they were letting him be his own type of character. It wasn't 100% this masked figure. It was someone who really was hard and he was tough and he's been through a lot and he struggled. But now he has, I don't even want to say the softer side because I don't think that's what it really is, but this this more humane side and the side that we can connect with and we can reflect in. So I don't know. I guess those are kind of my my three stages of Kylo Ren. It's just <laughs> the <laughs> initial trepidation to this this fierce warrior to a really humane character who struggles with things. Yeah, I remember that first scene. For me, Kylo steals that first scene every time. Just there's a presence to him that, you know, it's something that Dave Prowse did with Vader, just the way he carries his body. And you don't even need to see him say anything. He's just intimidating. And then, you know, he he does something we've never seen before and literally just holding the blaster bolt in midair while he's not even paying attention to it. Like, he's off doing something else and it's just chilling there in the middle of, like... So you, immediately you're thinking... Okay, this is the villain. This is, you know, a serious issue for us because he's he's got powers, he's got abilities, he's he's got a connection to the force that is is supremely strong. So whatever it's going to whoever is going to be opposing him, which at the time, you know, a lot of us were thinking maybe Finn and Ray together or whatever. But and then, and then to see him strike down Lor Senteca and all of this stuff and I remember I didn't catch the the meaning of the line the first time when he said uh, that you know Skywalker that is your family, and he says you're so right. It just I don't know why it just didn't connect with me. I was thinking more like family, as in like he was trained you know in the Force by Luke or something of of that nature. So when we get to the scene where Snoke reveals that you know your father Han Solo, I was like jaw dropped and it just changed how i like i understood the entire movie you know so for the first half of the movie i'm thinking this dude's purely a bad guy and then you know it's han solo's son well you know it's han solo's son they're not gonna just have han solo's son be some random villain and so to look at him through that lens and then i love how they used the mask in force awakens and even in last jedi but particularly in force awakens how you know, he doesn't take his mask off until he meets Rey. Um, and then, you know, he doesn't take his mask off again until he sees Han. And so, and so when you see him with his mask off, it means something um, and it matters. And I, I like the use of the mask in that way because, you know, that's something we got with Vader, even though he's only, you know, taking, he only took the helmet off for, for one scene. But I feel like Kylo is kind of an example not to diminish his character and, and that he stands alone but i think in a way we're kind of getting the what would have happened if anakin didn't get torn to bits on mustafar what would have happened if anakin uh you know had somebody out there that he still cared for what if anakin actually did become the emperor like how are th- how would that, those things progress and i think we're getting kind of an idea with that um with kylo ren so Thinking about about his arc, you know, we, we go through 
Force Awakens, and I don't honestly remember if I was on the Redemption track. I think I was kind of like, "Well, we'll see what happens." What coming out of the Force Awakens? What were y'all's uh, thoughts on Redemption or Ben Demption? Did you did you think it was going to happen for sure, or were you kind of on the fence? I wasn't sure of anything at that point. My my first time walking out of Force Awakens, I was so incredibly floored by everything that they set up. Um, and and I know to me the bigger mysteries were more the typical ones everyone else was talking about. The you know who's Ray, who's Snoke, and then it kind of took maybe like a year or so once you digest everything to think well, what about this character and where are we going with him? So I don't really know when I started to kind of come around on Ben Demption because my initial thought, once I did start to process it a little bit more, was, no, I don't want him to be redeemed. I want this, you know, this is a villain. He's done these bad things. How could you possibly come back from it? But sitting with the character for as long as we've had now, I lean more towards, yeah, Ben Demption is real. It should be real. But it also shouldn't be 100% forgiveness. It shouldn't be he comes back to the light and he's suddenly the prodigal son. You know, I want him to be redeemed in a sense that he notices what he does is wrong. And just like Anakin, he kind of has some kind of... I don't want to say total self-sacrifice. I don't necessarily want him to die in Rise of Skywalker, but I want him to do something monumentous that is really hard for him and see him come back for, back into the light with that struggle. Michelle, what about you? I recall the first time seeing Force Awakens being well, like Lindsay said, floored that I well, and actually, I couldn't believe I hadn't already figured out that he was Han and Leia's son just mm. from the trailer because they play Han and the Princess during the trailer of The Force Awakens, which I'm very into music, you know, Star Wars music, and that was like a dead giveaway. I don't know what I was thinking, not picking up on that, but and I hadn't read any spoilers or anything, so that was a shock. But then I also remember feeling like, because I love Han and Leia so much, conflicted just because uh, he just killed Han. Uh, what? 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 You know, and I didn't, I wasn't angry about it. That was the other weird thing. I wasn't angry that he killed one of my favorite characters of all time. The feeling was more like, I love Han and Leia so much, and I want their son to be okay. I don't want him to be the villain of this trilogy. I want him to be okay. Because I love, you know, it's like, I don't know, I had some weird sort of maternal thing kick in or something that there, it's our boy, it's our Skywalker boy. He needs to come back. He needs to be all right. So that was kind of what I was thinking after Force Awakens. And then, you know, I'm sure we'll get to TLJ, but that got even huger after TLJ. But I remember talking to a lot of people who were just, and still to this day, they're so angry at him for having killed Han. They just cannot seem to get past it. 
my attitude still is that's Han and Leia's, you know, that our legacy, everything comes down to him. Everything, All, that entire family, he's the last one. So, you know, assuming that he is the last one, some people still want Ray to be in that family, but I don't think she is. But anyway, you know, that's always kind of been my, my angle on it that I just want him to I'm, be okay. I'm so struck by that angle. I really like that thought process of you want him to be okay. You know, you call it maternal instincts, but I think it might even be something a little bit different. Um, just because maybe one of the reasons why people are so anti Bendemption and anti Kylo Ren are just because of that, you know, they, they felt such a strong connection to Han to Leia and here's this new kid coming and breaking it up. But so many people have also had 40 years to sit with this. And I don't know, you know, if I did have all that time and I sat there my whole life and all of a sudden it was taken 40 years later, maybe, you know, kind of the the new kids on the block, the newer generation and these younger kids that we're seeing get into Star Wars, maybe they're connecting with him so much because they don't have that lifelong attachment that we all do to Han and Leia. So I think that's a really interesting point to see your connection to him and how you react to him through your lens of of how you've always felt about Han and Leia too. I think that's really smart. I was no no one was more shocked than I was when I didn't hate him after he killed him. <laughs> Honestly, I had my Star Wars friends were like you you have I love you I know in your license plate. How is it that you do not want him to die? I'm like I I want him to be okay. That's all I can ever say is I just want him to be well I, their child to be happy. Very Leia thing of you to think. <laughs> oh, I'm so honored. <laughs> I think I think the way the scene is acted to uh you, there's a lot of subtext to it because mm-hmm. You really do, when he says he's being torn apart, you really do feel like he is being torn apart. And, you know, Han putting his hand on his son's face as he falls. And, like, the whole thing, it it makes you at least think. You know, I don't necessarily think it, it pushes you in one way or another just standing on its own when you're looking at Force Awakens. Until you get to maybe later when he's having to pound him his you know chest in the in the snow and I mean maybe it's just like a, a macho dude thing but like I totally connected with that with him when he did that because I was like very much like what football players will do or whatever you know like when they're trying to hype themselves up you know they hit each other's helmets together do they do stupid stuff like that right like to to get themselves in the right mindset and so to think like he just did this this act this heinous act not not just i mean murder is you know obviously a heinous act in and of itself but then when you're thinking in a joseph campbell way and you're thinking everything works as symbols you know han is the the character we all want to be in the original trilogy and Luke is kind of the character that we need to be, but we all kind of want to have this roguish side and be Han. You know, we've all played Han Solo, you know, growing up. And so then to see him 
get killed it, it in a in a symbolic sense it is like killing a part of our childhood but i think that's also part of the point is that these not just these stories progress but i the idea of legacy is something that just sticks in my head a lot when we get to the sequel trilogy you know like we have return of the jedi and it's it's a great like end of the story if the story ended there but i like the idea of okay all these heroes did this act what does that mean for the next generation and you know how do we stop this this cycle of violence that keeps going on like the point of star wars is not wars it's peace you know and that's why the redemption thing is is so so important so then we move on to Last Jedi. Oh wait, hold whoa, on. Before we move on, before we move on, I do want to play a little devil's advocate here. And when we're talking about this scene where he kills Han, and yes, he has that struggle and he has that amazing moment in the woods where he's sitting there hitting himself to hype himself up. Um, which I realized too is something that I've now adopted and going into not even just a new fight, but a new round of a fight. I sit there and I like hit my own leg. I'm like, I look so weird, but I think of Kylo <laughs> Ren every time I do it. Um, <laughs> but, but as we're thinking of this and it's so easy to sit here and say, okay, he is redeemable because look at the way he struggles. Couldn't we also flip that around and say he's, He's not redeemable because he knows better. He sits here and he thinks about what he's doing and he understands that he is killing his father and what that entails. Couldn't we also say that that shows more ha- – the fact that he struggles but does it anyway maybe shows that he has this darker power? You, you know, you said he knows better. I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. I think he's real messed up in the head. Yeah. Yeah. All of his all of his choices were taken away from him, you know. Uh we get in uh I, I believe it's last shot where, you know, he talks about um wanting to be a pilot like his father and he gets forced into this, you know, Jedi life that he doesn't even want. And then Drew pointed this out in uh in an article that's gonna come out um soon in uh Saving Luke Part Two that you know, Luke goes in there and and violates him. You know, he probes his mind, you know, in the cover of night, you know, really taking away his choice of whether he was going to become Kylo Ren or not, you know? And, and so, yeah, I mean, again, like, we have to think about these things because they're mythology. We have to think about them symbolically. Like, it, we can't think about them in in the terms of, like, Han and Leia sitting there like, eat your broccoli, you know, and he knows broccoli's good for him, but he wants the M&Ms anyway. Like, <laughs> those decisions are, are not relevant. Those little things that, that kind of teach us right from wrong, um, it, it's about the the symbols of these things, and I think all the symbols that we have of Kylo Ren point to him not knowing right, right from wrong. Michelle, and they've put so much... I'm sorry, they put so much emphasis in they just have peppered it since basically since force awakens came out you know why are we seeing him as a as an adorable chubby little toddler mm-hmm. why are we seeing him as a little roly poly droid in in star wars rollout episodes you know why are they doing that you know and we're and plus oh gosh 
what was that? Um, the comic series where they did uh, the one shot of Snoke's ep- uh, issue where Age of, oh, the, uh, uh, Age of Republic Resistance, yep. Age of Resistance, yeah. Where they're, I mean, that issue. If you if you weren't feeling a little bad for him yet, that issue, wow. I mean, I've never cried reading a comic in my life till that one, where the, he's, Snoke is just literally torturing him, literally torturing him. And we've heard kind of like little inklings that that might have been the case, but that issue just laid it all out like, yep, that's exactly what was going on. And I forget what book it was that pointed out where Leia, maybe it was the um, Last Jedi novelization, where she knew somebody some some force was messing with her kid and basically messing with the whole family she knew that this had happened and it was going on and she just didn't know what to do about it so you know they just keep throwing all this stuff at us as if to say mm, yeah he did some real bad stuff guys but maybe the whole story is not what you think it was maybe it's not that he's just terrible and just keeps making the wrong choice and it's all on him and he can't you know it's it's his responsibility to make the right choice which it is but as we're finding out more and more about this backstory about how sympathetic maybe he is i don't know it's fascinating to me the whole the whole thing how they've been doing that it's just i mean i guess it's more it's yeah it sounds more like nature versus nurture almost and maybe yeah that, okay, that's interesting. That's a good way to think of it. Well, and I think of it, too, like, there's also you knowing what the right thing to do is and you having the ability to, to do the right thing. So, for example, like, I go back to when I was really bad with my eating disorder and the solutions that were presented to me, my dad would just be like, and, and he meant it in good nature, but he's, you know, he was trying to, legitimately trying to help me, but he's like, just eat a cheeseburger. Like, what's so hard about that? Just eat a cheeseburger and some french fries. Calm down. And he he was trying to do the tough love thing. And to me, like, I'm like, yeah, I would love to eat a cheeseburger, but I know what's going to happen if I eat that cheeseburger. The next four or five days are going to be complete torment for me, right? Like, so the right thing might be that, but in my, my soul, where my mind was at, you know, it, it was going to really mess with me for a long time. And it wasn't until I went and got the, the help that I needed. Go to therapy, guys. It's great. But it wasn't until I got the help that I needed and and – had the like honestly was presented with like hey this is how like you eat it's it's weird to say but like that that concept was so messed up in my head and then you know to have it presented and and getting to practice it in a safe space and stuff like that like it's it, it changes it because the lens changed it came became less like I'm going to eat this cheeseburger for you know so my dad will get off my back and more about like I just want a cheeseburger and I think you know, that's kind of the pit that, that Kylo's in. He knows, he may, he may know what's right from wrong, but he doesn't know how to actually make that choice because he sees himself making that choice and he sees all the negative things that are going to happen because of it. Exactly. Like if he's lived this life now and done these things to the point where I'm not sure what it's going to take or who it's going to take to to reach out to him where he's going to finally accept the fact that it isn't too late because he's done so many terrible things 
horrible, terrible things. How do you how do you turn back from that? It's frightening. Like anybody who's ever done anything that they've regretted, you know, that's it's hard. It's hard to look at what you've done, accept what you've done that was wrong, that you've hurt all these people. In his case, it's on a huge scale. But you know what I mean? It's like people people get um pretty adamant about the fact, well, he's been offered help this many times and he keeps turning it down. Yeah, but it's hard. Like, how hard would that be? You've killed your father. <laughs> you know, you've killed your dad. Yeah. How hard and would I mean, that be I guess mother in the I guess be like, so- yeah. sorry. You know, it would be impossible, really. For That's people. true. That's really true. And I guess even to your point, he yeah, it's easy for someone to sit there and say he's been offered help so many times, but maybe because he's done these things and he's struggling so much with these things, he doesn't see it as help. Maybe he sees it as someone trying to rub his face in what he's done. Maybe he sees it as someone who's just trying to use it to take him down. So even though we on the outside can say, Oh, I know Ray's motivations. I know Leia's motivations. Mm -hmm. Maybe he does. He, maybe he's sitting there seeing it as this is a trap. Or he thinks he doesn't deserve it. I mean, mm, we, we've seen too. kind of that with with Vader, you know, um, thinking that, you know, he kind of deserved the life that he got because of his choices. And, I mean, the argument can be made that, you know, he does. But at the same time, like, something Rebecca Rowanhorst said really stuck with me. She said, you know, talking about Resistance Reborn and... and they bring in like ex imperials and people to, you know, help the fight who are, you know, basically if you're anti first order, like let's forget about your past and let's like find a way to work together. She kept saying, we don't throw people away. And I feel like Kylo feels like he has been thrown away uh, because of what Leia did, which she admits to her fault, you know, by sending him away, she lost him. And, you know, by Luke trying to make him become a Jedi when we don't have any evidence that he wanted to become a Jedi. So we have going off of what we have, we just have to assume that he basically he got forced into this life and you know how many people get forced into a terrible career and because they're angry about that and they don't feel like they're living the life they want to live or that they're supposed to live or as Joseph Campbell would say following their bliss they take it out on other people. And, and sure, maybe it's not in, you know, galactic domination and murder. <laughs> but again, these are symbols. Like, the, that represents the, the the bad parts of you. So, it, it's just, yeah. it's fascinating. You know, hearing the, the line, too, and your thoughts on how it relates to Kylo of we don't throw people away and that Kylo does feel like maybe he has been thrown away... I'm actually more interested now to, and don't get me wrong, I was already very, very interested. Michelle, we were talking about this earlier before we were recording, um, but the Knights of Ren, and to maybe figure out what his relationship is there, because I I kind of didn't put two and two together that, yeah, Kylo probably does feel like he is the throwaway piece, and that's why he doesn't seem to keep people close to him. You know, you get the feeling like Hux and Phasma would work together. Um, but you don't get the impression that Kylo ever had 
any kind of close camaraderie with anyone, maybe even when he was a Jedi. Um, so now I'm interested to see what his relationship really is like with the Knights of Ren, because it seems like he doesn't want to get close to anyone either for fear of being thrown away or because he thinks other people might be disposable. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, adding on what we have with, uh, basically the synopsis, uh, that was released, you know, a lot of us, myself included thought that, you know, Kylo Ren created the Knights of Ren, but apparently the Knights of Ren existed already. And then he went into them and I guess maybe took, took it over became somehow he became the master of the knights of ren according to snoke so again it's that search for for belonging i guess hmm. yeah i think it's uh i think a lot of people assume that those were you know just the other jedi that went along with him when he after he well allegedly after he burned down the temple we shall see if he actually did that or not um but you saying like obviously belonging is a big a big deal in his mind and Ray's mind and it's a I guess it's a huge motivation for both of them and another reason why I think maybe he was so down deep into his own pit of darkness and serving Snoke and all of that that when people reach out to him you know he's just like I, I, I can't like I can't I can't do it. I can't possibly overcome all this stuff. And plus, this is clearly what I was meant to do because it, you know, no, no one else. It didn't work out any other way. And uh, and also, you were saying how you know he felt like he didn't have anywhere else to go. The fact that he thinks he's finally found somebody that he can identify with. And I'm not saying Ray was wrong to not accept his offer. She was right to not accept his offer. But in his, from his perspective, her not, you know, teaming up after they do away with Snoke and everything, and the guards, the look on on his face just it's like, oh my god, he he thought he finally found someone after all this time that really gets him. And then she goes for the lightsaber. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, okay. If I wasn't going to trust somebody before, I'm certainly not going to trust anybody now because yeah. I've, we've been in each other's heads. If we can't trust each other at this point, what? who am I going to find that who I can't? Who else? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, if, you know, and I, like I said, she totally should have shut him down just like she did. I'm not huh. saying she should have been like, yay, let's go. Well, and that, that's an important thing to point out because, like, I think something that gets lost in the conversation because it's the Star Wars fandom on Twitter sometimes is liking Kylo Ren does not justify his actions. Like wanting him being somebody that you empathize with, that doesn't mean that what he does is right. That doesn't mean that, you know, we want Kylo Ren as he is Kylo Ren to be the you know supreme leader at the end of episode nine and the, and the galaxy is under his thumb like there's something about this character that resonates with us right and 
we kind of get that more and more with Vader after the prequels and kind of the torment that we see him going through, you know, especially in the Charles Soule Vader comics. And it's like, it doesn't make the, the bad actions that Vader does okay because he was in a bad mind space, right? Like there's, there's never a justification for doing some of the things that they did, but at the same time, it helps us understand what they're going through and why they're making the choices that they are. Okay, I have a comparison that I want to make. It's going to be slightly controversial. Ooh, but I like it. Already. But <laughs> all right, <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to, you know, what? okay. I'm just do I'll it. Ask this question. Do it. Have either have either of you guys happened to see Jojo Rabbit yet? Uh not yet. No. No. I've, okay. No. Very funny movie. Very funny. You will laugh. You will cry. Really enjoyed it. This is not a Jojo Rabbit podcast, though. Um, <laughs> but the the premise of the movie is is really interesting. It's you know the satirical um, comedy, and it takes place in like 1944 Germany, and it's the most adorable little ten year old boy you will ever see on screen in your life. He is just you would just want to pinch his cheeks the whole time, um, and he basically goes to like. Boy Scout camp, but it's 1944 Germany, so it's for Nazis. You know, and he has his imaginary best friend, Hitler, and the reason why I think it's going to, this is going to be controversial and what I want to clarify, too, is I am not in any way right now comparing Kylo Ren or Snoke or the First Order to Nazis. I'm just making this observation that a character in Jojo Rabbit made um, because after he goes to this little mini Nazi training camp, you know, still this really cute little kid, he comes home and he finds out that his mother has been stowing away Jews in their attic or a Jew in their attic. Um, and his mother is really trying to protect these people who he thought were monsters. Um, he forms the, this friendship with this Jewish girl in his attic and when he's still trying to accept this and when he's trying to figure out the balance and figure out what's right and what's wrong, he says to this girl, you know, we could never be friends. You're a Jew and I'm a Nazi. And what she says to him is where I want to make this comparison to Kylo Ren, because she says, you're not a Nazi. You're just a little boy who wanted to join a club. Mm. And oh, that is... That's kind of how I feel about Kylo Ren because, yeah, maybe Darth Vader was, you know, that full-fledged Nazi and he really bought into what he was doing. Whereas Kylo, because we're talking about him trying to find this sense of belonging, all he is is he's still just, you know, obviously a grown man. But deep down, he's still just this little boy who wants to join a club and he wants to feel included. And just like Ray would be, you know, kind of the Jewish girl upstairs in this scenario, she sees through that. And she sees that he's not this terrible person. He's not this bad guy everyone makes him out to be. He's just looking for where he belongs and he thinks he's doing the right thing. He was just misguided. So I would say that, you know, again, I don't want to make any Nazi comparisons, but Kylo Ren is the little boy who wants to join a club. Ray is the girl upstairs in the attic who is able to talk some more sense into him by humanizing herself. I love that. Now I want to see that movie ASAP. ASAP. Go see Jojo Rabbit. So good. 
<laughs> it's really good. Oh, I kind of, you know, t- talking about that made me think of uh, Scientology. And the reason it made me think of Scientology is Leah Remini has a, a documentary series on, it's on Hulu, and it's really fascinating because the the children of Scientologists who grow up in their, I'm using air quotes here, church, um, they don't realize, you know, all the bad things that are happening around them. Even things like, like literal physical abuse and putting human beings in boxes with no windows for days at a time. Like these are things that happen in, in Scientology and people don't, the people who, who grew up with that are so indoctrinated, they don't realize it's wrong for uh, uh, some of them ever. Uh, you know, the ones that she's speaking with are, are people who have, like, quite literally escaped. Like, you should hear some of the plans, like, of how they had to actually escape. It, it's, it's a fascinating series. But I kind of look at Kylo in the same sense of, like, he's been so caught in this life of being a Skywalker that you know and all the expectation that comes with that like you're han solo and leia organa's son you're you're the prodigy of you know one of the the greatest force users of all time like you're luke skywalker's student like there's no way to live up to the expectations that you have in front of you and he didn't know anything else but to be involved in this force thing even though in his heart, you know, he maybe didn't want to do it. He maybe wanted to be a pilot or maybe just wanted to, you know, go work at Dex's diner. Like, who knows? But <laughs> so so in doing that, like, he doesn't realize, yeah, you're picturing it now. It's It would be great. <laughs> He's like, hello. Apron and everything. Here. I'm picturing the the uh, the Kylo, we call it in the, in the Kylo Stan Twitter universe, hashtag the waddle. The way that he walks is is just sort of this very distinctive. Oh yeah, yeah. He waddle that he does. He's waddling up to your table. Gonna take your order. He's like. You <laughs> put emphasis on some weird letter, like I don't know, your order. Would you, would you like a cup of Java juice? <laughs> I'll shut up now. I've got this picture in my head. Uh, <laughs> It's not leaving, but Brandon, I think we were making some point before that. I, I think so. Um, it wasn't as important as Kylo working. Speaking of fanfic, somebody get on that. Um, but sure there is one. But Friday. yeah, you don't even need to worry. Oh, I, I completely believe that. <laughs> I think basically the my thesis statement is like he is so in this center of the galaxy not in like an egotistical way but like because of who his family is he's so in this like we are the ones who are supposed to be leading the galaxy we are the the ones that are supposed to be in charge of these people and or not necessarily in charge of but but you know on the front lines and so in his act of rebellion he he's like all right well you know i'm gonna go be like vader then like i'm still gonna be like my family but i'm gonna be the kind of part of my family that like no one wants me to be and then again he gets so indoctrinated in that dark side that it it's hard for him until he meets ray to see the things that he's doing that are wrong you know adam driver talked about a lot during the force awakens uh 
press tour that you know something that makes a villain terrifying is when they think they're doing the right thing like palpatine is terrifying but I don't think he even considers what he's doing the right thing. He doesn't care. He just wants to dominate and have power, right? Vader is acting out of his own agony. The scary thing about Kylo and is he think he really thinks he's doing the right thing and it takes somebody like Rey to help him see that maybe he's not doing the right thing. And that's what we kind of get to in in Last Jedi, I think is that you know, egg kind of, you know, cracking in the shell. Cracking in the shell. I don't think that's a thing that an egg can do, but you, yeah. get, you, you get my analogy. Right. All right. I mean, I guess really too, it, it goes back to the point Michelle was making before where this is really all just nature versus nurture. And he was nurtured to think that this is the only way to get what you want and what he wants in his mind is pure. You know, so it really does seem like he is this victim of circumstance where when you have, I think no matter what, you know, him and Ray are going to end up one way or another being two sides of the same coin. So if we look at the nature versus nurture, we have him, Kylo is the nurture side of it, whereas Ray is the nature side because she seemed to have grown up alone. She didn't really have anyone to nurture her. So everything she is is pure instinct. Whereas Kylo is more, this is what happens when you have all these outside forces grooming you. That's an excellent, excellent point. I love that, actually. Thank you. Yeah. And, it's and it's my also, own little Ray Low, I guess. I, I love it. I'm going <laughs> to hang it up my wall. I'm going to have it embroidered on a pillow. I love it. It's perfect, actually. And I also wonder, and I don't even know, I don't think this is my own. Sometimes, do you ever get confused about whether something is actually, has been in a book or if it's just your own internal headcanon? Because I know I'm sure. All the time. Three or four times a day. (laughs) Because at this point, I'm not sure if this is headcanon or if I actually read this. I think I read it. I think. So you guys tell me if I did. That when Leia saw... Yes, it was definitely in a book. When she was pregnant with Ben and she felt his presence, Mm. that it was an extremely bright light, but also shot through with very dark darkness. And life debt. Life debt? Yes. It was life debt. Okay, good. All right. So (laughs) my, what what part of that is probably just my headcanon is that I I feel like, um, like you're saying, he was groomed and brought up to ignore that darkness. Like it was also, it was probably like they were like, Whoa, you've got all this darkness in you, and that's no good because you're too much like your grandfather, which yeah. everyone hears. So part of me thinks that somewhere along the way, he had this natural tendency to have this darkness in him that he was probably okay with would have been okay with if people hadn't have sort of shamed him for it or not shamed him, but you know what I mean? Like, Oh no, 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 yeah. we don't, no, we don't no, no. Pay attention I love to that. That idea. Cause That's then you have, you have Ray who uh, Ray obviously isn't 
a dark person. She's not an evil person, but she has those moments where she embraces that. And you can tell in the way that she fights and how impatient she can be in some of the other ancillary material coming out. But because she didn't have anyone telling her, oh, that's bad. Don't do that. Shy away mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. She's able to balance herself out more accordingly, whereas Kyla was groomed. Like you said, that's bad. You're too much like your grandfather. Stay away from that. And it ends up being a detriment to him. That's such a mind-blowing point. I, okay. Yeah. Well, that part's probably just my headcanon, but it is based on that. <laughs> I mean, it, it that, makes sense, yeah, though. No, be- no, no. It makes total sense. Because if you if you look at uh, Bloodline, you know, despite all the great things that she had done for the galaxy, the second that the galaxy finds out that Darth Vader is her biological father, like... Keep in mind, she doesn't consider him her father. Bail Organa is her father. She, you know, thinks of him as this, like, sperm donor, basically. Like, that's it. And so, but the second the galaxy finds out, they flip on her and just, like, Mm -hmm. totally tear her down and, and basically boot her out of politics altogether. I mean, we... Timeline-wise, it's debatable about whether the message got to him first before the information got to him, the message from Leia. But that regardless, like, seeing how everybody just flipped on Leia, who is, like, the brightest of bright lights in the galaxy, for something she had absolutely no control over, something she had absolutely no investment in, and something, like, she's only attached to by genetics you know and and that's what they were holding against her he's like you know what they're gonna they're gonna all turn on me anyways he already had he's already insecure he already has this low self-esteem you know and then well the galaxy turned on my mom like Mm -hmm. i i would have to be better than my mom i would have to be better than leo organa for the galaxy to actually have my back like if that's not a reason just to give into your base desires i mean I don't really know what is like that's a, that's a hope crusher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and it's not and it ain't balance, yo. Ignoring all of that stuff. Yeah, that's it's just bringing it all back around to how oh. I think the inevitable end of this saga is going to be. You can't ignore that. You can't well, lie about it. You can't yeah. push it down. You can. But in 30 years, guess what? It's going to come back to come back up. Yeah. And Joseph Campbell talked about something that, like, I'm really happy we had this Kylo episode in mind when I heard this. And I'm not quoting directly, but but he was talking about different mythologies and how they all have the the theme of like duality and dark and light and Mm -hmm. good and evil and that they exist. And he said something that. I swear to you, Claudia Gray, like, lifted directly for Master and Apprentice, but it was basically the line of, like, we don't turn to the light, bec- you know, or we turn yes. to the light because it's the light, right? Like, it was yes. it, it, it was almost verbatim the same thing there. Um, and, and that, to me, is what balance is. It, it's choosing the light despite the fact that the dark is out there. I, I think we kind of get lost in the conversation of, you know, well, the light and dark exist, and, and so balance is, you know, being able to have both of them. 
I I don't agree with that. I, I think balance is acknowledging the darkness, but not mm-hmm. giving into it. And that's the thing that, you know, separates Luke as a hero. That's the thing that, you know, we should aspire to. So I think in it, we can kind of get into Rise of Skywalker. I have a theory that, like, the dark side of the Force is going to be destroyed, but I like it's like my bottom rung theory so that like symbolically <laughs> like it's telling kids like, you know, the light is the way to go. It's the thing that lasts. But going towards. Well, before we go towards Rise of Skywalker, let's go. Let's go talk about TLJ and kind of just quickly how our opinions change. Because I think a lot of what we're talking about comes from what we get in TLJ. So, Michelle, I know because we've been friends since Force Awakens, like. You were Kylo Ren, and then you were Kylo Flippin' Ren. Uh, <laughs> it was like being reborn. So tell us what that experience of Last Jedi was like for you, um, and, and how did it not not really change your opinion on it, but how did it evolve your opinion on Kylo Ren Ben Solo? Oh, it it evolved hardcore because, like I said, I I really felt like I even though he had killed Han like I said even though he had killed Han I just want him to come back around and and he you know be healed in some way and I didn't I didn't I wasn't a Raylo I didn't even see it I didn't see it coming I was completely blind blindsided by it really in TLJ so after after seeing that movie it was like <gasps> This is, I don't even know, I don't even know what to say. It was such an abrupt change in my mind that it's inevitable. It's absolutely happening. There's no chance that this guy is not getting redeemed at this point because why would you spend an entire movie showing us that there's, he's crying he said, please. Like, Thank what? you. Bad guys don't say please. Oh, my God. I've been saying it forever. Bad, oh. Not only did he say please, but look at his face. When yeah. he's saying please, he's practically in tears. He did cry in the hut. Like the, he, He's crying because he feels this connection with another human for the first time in his life. Don't tell me that this person who is also happens to be Han and Leia's only beloved child is not going to come back from this darkness. It's just, that's what star Wars is. It's hope and it's redemption. So I, I, it was, I walked out of there like, like Rocky running up. The <laughs> <laughs> it's happening everybody. My only, my only thing about it was, okay. Just thinking of narratively speaking, Let's say he is absolutely getting redeemed. What's going to happen in the next movie when we need someone to be the big bad? So until I was sitting in that chair at Wintrust Arena hearing the palps cackle, uh, that was my only that was my only hang up on the whole thing was like, what are they going to how are they going to how are they going to bring like it's not going to be Hux at this point because they let Ryan Johnson make him into sort of a comedic foil it can't be him so what's gonna happen the second i heard that cackle i'm like oh pfft. we're done here That's it. 
Yeah, we're done. It's it's not the same exact thing. Because up until April, I was like, of course, Kylo has to be the bad guy. You know, someone has to be. And then the cackle came. I was like, oh, all right, we're doing it. So anyway, after TLJ, yeah, that was that was my reaction was this is happening. I don't know how this is happening as far as a bad guy coming in and being taking his place, but it's happening. It's very Star Wars, right? Like bring Palpatine in in the third movie so you can redeem the bad guy. We've seen it before. I do want to kind of because Lindsay, I mean, you said you you weren't on the redemption train at the beginning and now you are so what was it about last jedi that kind of solidified that for you um i would say force skype um (laughs) you know the the fact that him and ray were literally connected for me and and i still you know i've said here before i'll say it again in the romantic sense I'm not a Raylo. You know, it's not that I sit here and I ship them, but I'm a Raylo in the sense that, yeah, they're connected somehow. They play this really strong purpose in each other's lives and each other's stories. And that was so solidified in TLJ. So for me, it was what what changed the redemption for me really was their connection and understanding that if he's not redeemed. They had that connection for nothing. Mm, I don't yeah. want them to have that connection just because there's going to be some kind of MacGuffin in the third movie. And Ray kind of has a head start to where it is because they had this connection. I don't want it to be something cheap and transparent like that. I want it to be much deeper where he had to be, rede- or I'm sorry, the only way he could could have been redeemed was because he had this connection with Ray and for it to serve that much more thematic purpose rather than just a plot driven purpose. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm kind of, we talked about this recently when we were talking about rogue one that I, I feel like, like we're kind of all over the place on, on Raylo here because like I'm at this point where I think Maybe it's going to just be ambiguous, kind of like, I'm going to say it again, like Jin and Cassian in the elevator, where it's like, would they, won't they? Yep. Of course they would. You it was not ambiguous. Thought- <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. Not ambiguous, Brandon. You said that to me. It was ambiguous. That, that camera cut away, and they totally made out in that elevator, because that's what happens in elevators. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I've been doing elevators wrong my whole life. <laughs> Anyways, Brandon has nothing to say after that. So. That's fair. That's fair. Total silence. Uh, I do want to. I do want to talk about because I think there's a, a distinction that needs to be made, and and I want to get y'all's opinion on whether I'm looking at this correctly. Redemption, atonement, and forgiveness, I think, get kind of muddled together. But they're three very distinct things. For me, forgiveness is something that somebody gives to you. Atonement is is transactional. And redemption is just a rebirth. It's a restart. Like, it literally has re in it, which means again. Um, So... Redemption would be, you know, turning back to the light, turning back and, and 
you know, doing going back down the right path. It's not about forgiving the the bad things that have happened before. It's not saying, oh, cool, you're going to be a nice guy. Let's wipe all this, you know, bad stuff away. But atonement would be actually doing acts to make up for that. And I think that's what a lot of people talk about when they're when they have trouble with the whole idea of redemption is like, well, he's done all these terrible things, so what is he going to do to make up for it? You can't make up for it. Like no amount of helping people is going to bring back the people that you killed. No amount of, you know, goodwill is going to wash away those bad deeds that you did because they're out there. You know, one of the a family friend of ours growing up would always say like you can't take your words back once you've said them they're already out there so make sure you think about them before you say them and it's the same kind of thing like your acts are out there so you can do the the atonement but it's not going to get rid of what you've done so i guess my argument is that he doesn't need to atone for it because atonement would mean something different for everybody whereas redemption is the Star Wars idea that we're coming to where, again, Joseph Campbell, symbolism, like symbolically that the the turning back to the light is the important part? Um, not disagree, but I want to amend it. I really love your thoughts on how you define atonement versus forgiveness versus redemption. I would say that it's not necessarily you do one of those three, though. I think that they lead to each other. So I think it has to start out with atonement, and through that you gain the forgiveness from others. And once you have those two things combined, that's where the redemption can at least begin. So I think in order for Kylo slash Ben to really be redeemed, he has to start by showing some kind of atonement. And it's not necessarily in making a big gesture. Um, maybe, you know, I think Michelle might be able to make this argument more eloquently than I can, um, just because she is more ingrained in Kylo Ren. Um, but I'm willing to bet that people could make the argument that he started the atonement process in The Last Jedi. And that's what he was really doing when he reached out to Ray was he was starting that atonement and Ray maybe denied him the forgiveness. So maybe the next step in The Rise of Skywalker isn't going to be trying to find Ben starting to atone. It's going to be see seeing Ray struggling with forgiveness. I, I think that's very true. I think he definitely dipped his toe in. Yeah. And, um, didn't get much further than that, but a lot, you know, I've heard this argument a lot that how are they going to, how are they going to bring him back to being redeemed in one movie? I'm like, did you, did you not watch the last Jedi? Like, did you not see him crying Mm. in the HUD? And, having empathy for someone other than himself it was that was you're right i think you're totally right i think that was the start of it mm-hmm. but this is interesting that you put them in the order that you put them i was brought up catholic my whole life and i remember in high school 
the priest that was in, in giving, I forget what religion class it was specifically, but he said, and this has stuck with me my whole life, that you could be legitimately a murderer, a, a mass murderer, what, or done something like horrible. And if you, on, on your deathbed, internally, truly are sorry that God will know and understand and forgive you. Regardless of if you have any further dealings with the people that you've hurt or or get forgiveness from them or not, or have a chance to even atone for anything that you've done, your soul is redeemed because that is between you and God and no one else. So my kind of feeling with Kylo is his redemption is between him and the force. And if he really, really feels he makes that turn back to the light, whether or not he can ever, like like you were saying, whether or not he can ever really atone for that, the people that he killed are dead. There's nothing he can do to bring them back. But his intention is to be sorry and to want to do what he can to make it better just in general. You know what I mean? Like just, a, you know, again, he can't bring the people back or reach out to people that he's hurt he doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily going to do that but just trying to make the galaxy a better place and tr- you know in my opinion work with ray and really establish this new balance and help you know force sensitives probably understand that better than all the jedi had before that to me is atonement and forgiveness is just a completely other thing. Whether or not people want to forgive him, that's their choice. He has no control over that any more than he can bring people back that he killed. So I feel like forgiveness is way off down the line, whether, you know, after he has proven that, yeah, he's really trying to make a change. But the initial redemption, that's between, that is internal unto himself and what he really is wanting to do. Rather than yeah. having people respond to that. I don't know. Does that make any sense? It makes absolute sense. And you said something that I, uh, I'm i almost embarrassed I didn't think of it myself, which is his relationship to the Force and how important that must be to, to him as a character. You know, we, we see it so often in the prequel trilogy. I think it's something they do a really good job of highlighting is Qui-Gon Jinn's relationship to the Force and Yoda's and how they're training Anakin to have that relationship. And I never, ever thought until you just said it about Kylo's relationship to the Force and his connection there. Um, but every everything you said makes total, total sense. And I, I buy it. I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> you have won me over to that school of thought. I learned something in Catholic school, you guys. It's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the one thing I took away from eight years of Catholic <laughs> or No, tw- sorry, 12 years. Cool. I mean... But what a thing. It was all leading up to this. This is your life culminating right here on this episode. <laughs> so let's kind of go around... As we as we come towards the end here, and, and kind of just quickly make our argument of why not just redemption is going to happen, 
but why it needs to happen. Um, mine is is pretty simple. It's Star Wars, guys. Star Wars is about hope and redemption. But to kind of go and and support Michelle here in the Raylo side of things, if we think ring theory, Anakin gave up love for the galaxy, and, and I like the idea of you know Kylo giving up the galaxy for love. So maybe Raylo. But redemption is definitely going to happen because, I have again, have you seen TLJ? Um, and Star <laughs> Wars is about redemption and hope. So, Michelle, what's kind of your your final thought on Ben Demption and, and why it needs to happen? Uh, honestly, my number one reason why I think it needs to... Well, okay. I have two tied number one reasons. Like you said, this is Star Wars and that's what Star Wars is about. Hope, redemption through love you know, selflessness and all of that. But my other reason that's tied is balancing force. And I really don't think that after eight other movies where we've seen Skywalkers, you know, just suffering, suffering and suffering and stuff like name one Skywalker that isn't wringing their hands and ugh, just so much tragedy. I absolutely do not believe that they are going to kill him off, and that's it. I think it's going to be much more hopeful than that. And and again, in my in my opinion, this whole thing is coming down to true, truly balancing the force, and that involves light and dark, not Jedi Sith, light and dark. And again, like if, if they can show that someone who has been in this pit of darkness for his whole entire life can actually rise up out of that and, you know, have someone like Ray accept him no matter what he's done, that's balance. So I think those two things, I, I just think <laughs> you will not see a more shocked individual <laughs> If 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 there's re- no redemption and he just like dies bloody and evil, I I just I won't even know what planet I'm living on. It's gonna I'm gonna need some therapy, like you said. I think. <laughs> I think there's <laughs> there's a lot of the a lot of that going around. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to be I don't want to give the impression that I'm gonna be out there writing uh, petitions and burning and destroying. No, but <laughs> I'm not. I'm just gonna be very surprised and shocked. I'll deal with it in my own way. And I, I think we could even say disappointed. Like, I, I feel like a lot of us yeah. would be disappointed if that doesn't happen. If if the Skywalker saga ends on a down note and Palpatine ends up winning in the end, you know, it, it wouldn't be easy to continue on with Star Wars just because it would that would completely redefine, like, literally everything else we have and, and not necessarily in a good way. But... Lindsay, let's go to you. Like, why do you think Ben Demption needs to happen? Um, I really want to echo what Michelle said, which is it's about that balance. Um, I guess I would even take it a, a step internally and say that this, yeah, this is Star Wars, but it's not meant to always be a story of how one person can change the entire higher galaxy that's obviously a big part of it but i think a lot of 
why Star Wars has lasted for 42 years is because these are stories about people. These are stories where we can connect to a certain character. And Brandon, you know, you say it all the time. Han is the character you want to be. Luke is the character you are. But you can see different facets of yourself in all these characters. So it's so important to be able to say, all right, this character didn't just bring balance to the entire galaxy. He brought balance to himself and internally. And just like Michelle said, to be able to survive with the light and the darkness is crucial. So I think Pendemption needs to happen to teach us more an internal story, whereas maybe Ray is the one who's focused on that external galaxy-wide story. Mm, I like it. I like it. All right. I I mean, we could talk Kylo Ren for another two hours easy, um, but we're definitely going to have to revisit this topic in, I don't know, six or seven weeks, just, you know, after we've had a little time to to think about it and see if anything (laughs) happens that's important. I don't know. But Michelle, you are a guest on the show and all guests on the show get asked very important questions at the end here. So. Oh, no. I know. I forgot about this. I didn't. I didn't remind you of this on purpose. Dang it, Brandon. You know what? This is, again, this is why I like having power because I get to make choices (laughs) like this and I get to toy with people. And it's it's one of the small joys in my life. All right. All right, bring it. You ready? Yep. Okay. I know you've thought about these before while you're listening, so don't pretend like you haven't. No, I haven't. I can't believe I didn't think about (laughs) it. Which Star Wars movie did you watch most recently, and why was it The Last Jedi? I mean, and why? (laughs) Actually, oh, okay. You know what? This is an easy one, because last week was my husband's birthday, and birthday person gets to pick which Star Wars movie we're watching. And he somehow picked up on my vibrations that I really had been wanting to watch Revenge of the Sith lately. And that was his choice. And I was like, how did you read my mind that that's the one I wanted to watch? And he's like, I don't know. But we watched Revenge of the Sith because it was the birthday boy's choice. I like it. I approve. All right. Partner in crime, Star Wars partner in crime or BFF. Who is it going to be? Okay, this is a two part answer. Because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. From ages birth till I had, until Colin was about five, I would say my Star Wars BFF was my niece slash best friend, Monica. And then once I brainwashed my own child into (laughs) the because we live together, it's just a lot easier to Star Wars with him than it is with Monica, who lives in Austin. So, um... And I'm also starting a podcast with my kid just so we can talk about Star Wars ad nauseum as much as we want to. So I would say Monica for the first half of my life, Colin for the second half of my life, even though I still talk to Monica about it when we get a chance. All right. What would your Star Wars pet be? Oh, shoot. This is a hard one. This is the hardest one. No, it's not. (laughs) It's obviously (gasps) a pork. Oh, I have a good idea for this. Okay. So do you, you watch Resistance, right? The, the yes. Animation. Do you guys remember the episode Bebo? <gasps> oh, yeah. Okay. Bebo would be my choice because we actually know and are friends with the voice actor who did the voice of Bebo. His name's Bob Bergen. And he's also the he's most famously known for Porky Pig. He does Porky Pig. 
But he got to do that episode and got to be Bebo. So I picked Bebo because I love Bob. Such a good answer. Thank you. Well done. I'm proud of myself that I even you thought about that. You should be. You should be. <laughs> that was fantastic. That's, good. That's the best answer we've gotten on any of these questions, period. <laughs> Which Star Wars character would you let take over your Twitter account? I'm very protective of my Twitter account. <laughs> I I mean, I would probably go with Ray. She seems very level-headed, like she's not going to pick any Twitter fights or anything like that. And she's generally a positive person, so... I don't want to lose my status with Neil over being positive. So I'm going to go with Ray. That That is a very important status to keep. Let's not understate yeah. that. Okay. Mm-mm. It's very important. All right. Closing out favorite Star Wars one-liner. Oh, God. You're killing me. Oof. All right. This is not going to seem very positive. But I think about... Kylo's line about um, oh, watch now, I'm not going to be able to think of it. Uh, you know, the one when he's shirtless. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he, let the past die, kill it if you have to. Let the past die, kill it if you have to. It's the only way to become who you're meant to be. I know people are like, that's not really the message of the movie. But isn't it? A little bit? Just a little bit? I think it, it's an important concept if you... Okay, maybe not kill it, but you know, your sometimes your past has some icky stuff, and if it's holding you back from progressing towards who you're meant to be, yeah, maybe kill it a little bit, and also um, blow that piece of junk out of the sky is amazing. That's a good <laughs> it's one. Really good. <laughs> Two very good answers. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you were looking for. Like, I, I, you were probably looking for something more meaningful to me internally, but no. I, I was like, no. Meaningful. We that's don't do meaning one. here. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap our show uh, for tonight. And Michelle, please shamelessly plug your new podcast. Tell everybody what it's going to be called, where they can find you on Twitter, all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, It's going to be called Unknown Regions, which I couldn't believe that that name had not been taken, but for three or four years, I've wanted that to be the name. And lo and behold, it was not really, uh, no one had started, uh, somebody did start a podcast, but they haven't been active for like two or three years. So I figure it's it's up for grabs. And the um, Twitter handle is going, is, at unknown reach pod so unknown r-e-g-p-o-d look for that coming soon as soon as i can figure out how to actually do the technology that i'm afraid (laughs) (laughs) we'll work through it we'll get it and and of course that'll be over in our facebook group um you can come check that out clashing saber star wars community we'll have links in the show notes so you can go ahead and follow on Twitter so you can find out when the first episode comes out and hit that subscribe button. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Clashing Sabers. Um, we're on Instagram, but I'm really bad about that one, but it's at Clashing Sabers if you want like just some random posts that I end up putting on there because I'm like, hey, I haven't posted on Instagram in a while. Uh, Lindsay, if they want to find you and um, be intimidated by your boxing prowess, where can they find you at? <laughs> you want to follow any of my boxing stuff that's on instagram uh full force Lindsay should be getting back up to it uh in the next couple of weeks after a nice little injury 
brief, but things are looking good. If you want to talk Star Wars, though, that you can find me on Twitter at the Lady of Lore, or of course, always over in our Facebook group on Clashing Sabers Community. So, oh, I, should I should I give my regular Twitter handle too? Oh I kind yeah, of do about that. that one. Do that too. Just my, that's a good one. my my normal Twitter Twitter handle is at Frey Adjacent. And again, all the links will be in the show notes, and and I'll link it. So you just have to click and follow two buttons. You can do it. I believe in you. Um, you know, while you're while you're here, while you're on the internet, while you're listening to podcasts, go leave us a rating and review. That would be really great. Uh, we haven't had one in a while, and you know, my self esteem needs it. We did just cross seven thousand downloads, though. So a special shout out to all of you who have been here whether you are og like michelle or you have just started listening we love you all and we thank you all and remember the most important message of star wars is batch eight hi ho that was a good one it's it's easier when drew's not here i think that's (laughs) please tell me you were still recording when you said that i'm definitely still recording okay good the podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. <laughs>